What is up? What is up? Welcome to the Terrible Wrestling Takes Podcast with me, your host, The Bishop, TW Takes. Do not forget, do not forget, review if you do, rate if you feel. Follow me at TW Takes Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Email me with all your terrible takes at bishoptwtakes at gmail.com. It's now time for more terrible wrestling takes. Oh shit, here we go. Check it. I'm, I'm, man, I'm missing doing this show. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta stop front loading it with fucking eight hours of doing shit on one, on one task instead of fucking being more consistent getting these apps out because I miss doing it and then I'm like, fuck, but I just did it for 10 fucking hours. So let's, let's just jump into a, a nice little recap of what's happened up until, up until right now. Um, I rewatched the rumble and I think what, what I found out was, you know, watching it in the moment and doing a watch along is a little bit too much at once to really absorb it. This rumble was pretty fucking good, like pretty fucking good, especially for the time that each thing got. I don't think, I don't think they really missed. Uh, Sasha Banks and Carmella was awesome. I know I said on the instant reaction I like their TLC match better. I don't know if I do. Now I do got to watch them back to back to kind of see which one I, I would favor. But this one was laid out so well. I mean, Sasha Sasha had to save Carmella when she came out uh, for the dive. You can see Sasha doing what's right, and that's by covering up the miss by Carmella. I thought the Reginald spots were cool. It was just a really good fucking match. Drew McIntyre Goldberg was still trash. I, I still don't understand it. I, I get some people are saying that. It's supposed to be, you know, uh, I think it was David Shoemaker said it on his show. It's building a resume on the job for Drew McIntyre. He's now one of two people to have beaten Goldberg and Brock Lesnar in a singles match. The Undertaker's the other one. And the Undertaker's just happened in in Saudi, you know? So it's not like this is something that really happens. Um, but I wouldn't put much credence in it, to tell you the truth. I don't I don't know what to say. I mean, it's on his resume. It's going to be that way. That's fine. I just don't know if if I needed it at all. Because um, I, I don't take I don't take Drew any more serious. Uh, Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens is a damn good fucking match. Even the ending, how yes, it was botched, at least in in the execution. I think they were too worried about taking the handcuffs off. And I heard Bully Ray say, "Well, what else can you do?" And as he was saying it, I go, "Oh, you just have Kevin Owens come over and kick him, because as soon as he touches him, the count restarts. That's all you had to do." But Kevin Owens is supposed to be weary because, you know, because of the nut shot. So I get it. But it was a damn good match. And like I said, you know, I, I wish we had a different opponent for Roman. But at the end of the day, it's a good match. And that's what matters, right? Um, I still think that the women's rumble, Bianca winning is it's iffy to me because in the ring, she's still missing spots. I thought the women's rumble itself wasn't too bad. You know, there was definitely, some, again, some spots that weren't that great, but, like, we're not second-guessing it, and that's great. The men's rumble, the same thing. And I think if you look back on it, at least for me, I think we're we're in, in just COVID times, and it fucked up the rumble. I really think this was supposed to be Keith Lee's win. 
and I think Edge won because Keith Lee was out with with COVID protocol. I don't see the obvious matchup for Edge that makes everything better for whoever's in the ring. But if you have Edge, and and look, he's got me emotionally invested after that, after Wednesday night, so I don't know uh, if this opinion really holds up. But I think it's when it's when I'm looking forward to something, I want to be looking forward to it all in and I'm not there with Edge because I still don't believe that this is necessarily his Rumble win but it might be the best case scenario for what we have so um, I am okay with it now Uh, at first I wasn't really feeling it I thought the men's Rumble was just an awesome match absolutely awesome they did so much great shit Uh, the women's stuff was a little too cut and paste but I mean, just it, the men The men did an awesome job. I wish Seth Rollins got more time. I wish Braun Strowman got more time. Uh, but, you know, what are you going to do, right? Tell the stories coming over SmackDown. SmackDown's looking fucking stacked because you had Ray Ripley come in, and she didn't show up on Raw, and, and she wasn't on NXT. So I'm assuming SmackDown, which would be fire. And then you had Braun Strowman come back. You had Seth Rollins come back, and they didn't show up on Raw, which, I mean, Strowman showed up on SmackDown last Friday, but still. Are they going to show up on SmackDown? I mean, how stacked can SmackDown get? So in the overall, I thought Royal Rumble was awesome. I think if you haven't watched it or haven't watched it back, it is absolutely worth going to watch it with fresh eyes. Uh, that's just my take on it. So uh, I didn't I didn't want the, the instant analysis with uh, the guys over at Wrestling on the Rocks to, you know, sour the taste on how I felt on on Raw Rumble, I had to watch it again. And Marsh even said it too. He watched it with Producer Lady and, and really enjoyed the Royal Rumble again. So uh, I think if we do another watch along, we'll save the instant reaction and and, and do a, a real, real recap of it, you know, maybe a day or two later just to absorb it a little bit better. Uh, but speaking of the watch along, it was so much fun, man. I had a fucking blast. I cannot wait to do the next one. It is going to be awesome. Uh, it's It's just a really, really fun time especially with some other people on the screen. So we'll see what we can do about doing more. I know we talked about doing Mania. We'll see if maybe Elimination Chamber or Fast Lane's in the cards too. I, I got to run it by at Mrs. TW Takes to see if I'm allowed to do the Valentine's one for NXT. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, overall, uh, it was a great time. Thank you, everybody, for showing up. Uh, and, I, and I can't wait to see you guys next time. Uh, all right, let's move on to the week that is so far, Raw and NXT. When it comes to the WWE side of things, I am going to get into a little bit of what AEW did as well. Uh, I'm just, I'm just here to give my opinion though. So uh, let's let's see how this all plays out. Uh, Raw itself, again, I'm still not buying into Drew. Drew is whatever he is I don't know I'm not I'm not into the the backstage booking of anything I just I get into what I see on TV and what I see on TV does not hit for me okay Drew McIntyre does not hit for me and I wish he did but he doesn't and I wanted him and Sheamus in a tag team so what happened on Monday night happened they break up it gives you something to be invested in and then you move forward now how does Sheamus fit in the picture from here I don't know but it seems like we're going to get a one-on-one at the behest of attacking the champion, which, you know, is always the dumb way to do it because, hey, why doesn't anybody just attack the champion and they get a title shot? They have a built-in storyline. They're going to have great chemistry. Um, I want Drew to not have the title. I, I want to see something different. He's he, I have no emotional investment in him. 
Um, you know, do I want Seamus to win? I don't know. I don't care. Make me care. And then, hey, maybe I'll even care that, you know, Drew keeps the title. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, we had uh, Riddle versus Lashley. And I thought we were going to get an honest match out of it. And it turns out it was made to make Lashley look crazy. Um, that motherfucker looked stronger, meaner, more badass than he ever has in the way that he beat the shit out of Riddle. Uh, and speaking of, Riddle has some black eyes, so I'm wondering if um, it was the contact with Seth, because they got into it pretty bad at the Rumble, and I know they got uh, legitimate beef, or at least Seth does with Riddle. Um, you know, so we'll see, we'll see if anything comes out from that. But yeah, Riddle got beat to shit, and and Lashley really put the wood to him. So I'm wondering if if that has anything to do with where we're gonna see Lashley going forward. Maybe Lashley Drew is the match. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we had Woods, Xavier Woods taking on Ali from Retribution, and it seems like they're using Xavier Woods the way that they used Ricochet and Cedric Alexander and all that shit when they were trying to get the Hurt Business to somewhere credible. I'm wondering if Woods is the one who is able to tell the story on the microphone, uh, tell the story in the ring, make him look credible but weak, and also, I mean, beating a member of the New Day is a big deal. So let's see if this is just a buffer until Kofi's ready or if this is, you know, at the on the back end of it, that retribution is going to look better for this. And it's very possible. Uh, I found it interesting that he called out Reckoning on Raw Talk. Number one, she tested positive for COVID the day of Royal Rumble. So it was literally the next day that he he challenged her. Well, 10 to 14 day protocol, right? Like, how does this work? Unless they got something different going on. I don't know. But I don't mind it. I mean, they were calling it out. They said Sasha and Reggie did it. So are we going to get it? It's possible. It's possible. I wouldn't mind it. I mean, Mia Yim's fucking phenomenal. And Chaos Theory told me that uh, that Yim and uh, Keith Lee had matches together. So she's, she's wrestled men before. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Um, speaking of the Hurt Business from before, <laughs> um, they had a match against Lucha House Party, which I thought was awesome, and I forgot that they were going to be, that Lucha House Party was going to be on NXT in the Dusty Classic, because I wanted them to win the titles. If you're going to keep doing this, are they going to break up Angle for two fucking months? Because remember, this started before TLC, that they were showing that Cedric Alexander's head was too big for himself. Um, I, I don't like it. Like, just break them the fuck up. You know, because if they can win through shitty chemistry, then imagine if their chemistry was together. And it never turns that way. They never gain more chemistry. Uh, the guys over at Cheap Heat had a great fucking idea. What if, or was it Cheap? It was either Cheap Heat or the Mass Man Show. I'm not sure. Um, but they said, what if, what if Carlito earns it after his three-week deal? They kick out Cedric Alexander and joins up the Hurt Business. And then it's everyone from that 07, 08 era in the Hurt Business. And I think that's a great idea. That's how you tell stories. That's how you you gain investment. I wasn't even watching then. I missed all of Carlito. I saw none of him. And then when I would do the, the re-watching on the network, I didn't get it. Why do people like this guy? It doesn't make sense. I didn't like his in-ring stuff. I didn't like his character. I thought it was dumb. I missed most of MVP. 
I missed most of said uh, Shelton Benjamin. I damn sure I missed all of Bobby Lashley. So watching all those guys on replay, like I can see their value. But in the hurt business now, Shelton Benjamin, Bobby Lashley, MVP, they all look great. And they would make me give the same shit about Carlito. I think it's a fantastic idea. Whichever one of those guys came up with that, uh, you know, shouts to you. I'll remember next time I steal your idea and put it on my show. Um, <laughs> but not for real. Um, you know, I thought Lucha House Party would win this match and, and just kind of end it. But, of course, them being in the Dusty Classic, it's not going to happen. So we'll see what happens with the Hurt Business going forward. Um, I do like that idea of Carlito going in there. Uh, like I said, I heard he's on a three-week deal. Him and Jeff Hardy had a match against Elias and Jackson Riker. And that was actually a fun match. Uh, you guys know that uh, me and the misses were not into Jeff Hardy at all. But this was a fun match. Um, I, but I'm an Elias guy, man. I need Elias to get wins and move forward. And I don't know how we do that with him keeping fucking around with, you know, guys who don't really give him that opportunity to shine without him getting wins. It's kind of the same deal with Baron Corbin. Yeah, Corbin's winning uh, against Dominic now, but, I mean, how often has he lost? Corbin's held, what, one title, right? He was the, the U.S. champ for a little bit uh, and the Money in the Bank guy before he was ready, and he's won the King of the Ring. So let's get him some, some more wins, some real wins, and, and go from there. Uh, Three-way women's match for the tag title number one opportunity. I thought it was okay. Uh, Lana's looking a little rusty. Hopefully her and Naomi get it together. Uh, I was at first surprised that they were put together. And I know they got beef, but they have beef for a similar cause, right? They, It was through Total Divas. Uh, they're, they're both uh, similar athletic when it comes to, you know, having that dance and gymnastics background or tumbling background, I should say. I don't know if they're actually into gymnastics. But them being that way and them them being together actually brings for that strong bond, right? You know, um, uh, gain respect through uh, adversity, through conflict. And they, they've battled against each other, so battling with each other does make sense. And I wonder if this is just a pickup for Lana after, you know, what the kind of the trajectory she was going on when she was going through the tables because when she was teaming with Natty it seemed like she was gearing up to get that tag team title opportunity uh, with Asuka but she got hurt before TLC and they had to bring in uh, Charlotte for that so you know who knows if if this is kind of that that get back hopefully it is and hopefully Lana continues to get better the only thing I don't like about it is that Flex Appeal Dana Brooke and, and Mandy Rose didn't get the shot because I think the two of them have been doing such really, really good work that them moving forward and progressing and progressing, like, again, they should have been in the Dusty Classic. There was a perfect opportunity to help them build that tag team. And I think they're missing out here by having two returning people go after the tag titles instead of uh, Dana and Mandy. But that's just my opinion on that. I would like to see them go a little bit further, uh, but we'll take this how it goes. And, and look, they're they're putting a lot of time into women's tag teams because they damn sure ain't putting it into that raw title. You know, Asuka is such a special talent, and she holds the title. But we're not getting the matches. Let's hope we get some matches and and keep gaining some credibility for her. And we'll see where Asuka goes uh, from here as well. Um, Damian Priest and Bad Bunny being together. You guys, 
you guys got to calm the fuck down and look into this as its totality. Damien Priest said it. They're both from and raised in the same area in Puerto Rico. Uh, Bad Bunny has like a billion streams on his shit. If you don't get it or you don't like it, it's not for you. And that's the point. Because you already watch. It's the people, it's the 36 million subscribers on Peacock. It's the 1 billion streams that they get for Bad Bunny. Those are who that's for. That's what they're trying to do. But they've done this the entire history of wrestling. Bad Bunny is here because Flo Rider has been. Snoop Dogg's in the Hall of Fame. They have a celebrity wing for the Hall of Fame. Pete Rose is in the Wrestling Hall of Fame. You know what I'm saying? Mr. T, they do this. This is part of it, but they do it to get mainstream eyes. And I'm sorry. Yes, I'm not a Bad Bunny guy either, right? At all. At all. Okay? I think, honestly, I think it's a dumb name. I didn't get the song. The Booker T video. I thought it was stupid. This shit ain't for me. It is not for me. If it's for you, dope. If it's not for you, that's okay. My homie is is Puerto Rican and... I'm gonna try because look, I heard this. All right, let me let me let me say it this way. I heard Bad Bunny is at the PC training. People complaining, right? But what is this, right? Maria Menounos style, right? Looks like he he'll probably get a match with Damian Priest against Miz and Morrison, right? I don't care if it's at Fastlane Elimination Chamber or even uh, fucking WrestleMania. I don't care. Uh, Bad Bunny is willing to do this. I and I fucking said this. Anybody who gives a shit, who tries and does it for us, does it for the sport, for the show, for the fans, I'm here for it. I am absolutely here for it. So if Bad Bunny's going to give a shit and try, dope. I got a buddy who's Puerto Rican, who loves Puerto Rican music, loves the entire culture of it, most likely knows who Bad Bunny is. Might not be a huge fan because he likes older shit, but... When this match happens, I'm having them come over and watch it. Like, we're going to do this. We're, we're going to have a perspective on what this does for the people of the culture who enjoy the music, who live that way, who are that way, who, who love that lifestyle. That is going to happen because it's not for you. It's not for you. It's for them. Okay? And, and it's a huge fan base that could potentially like wrestling in some way shape or form you're putting the greatest puerto rican artist of this generation with a hot up-and-coming talent like damian priest who is also puerto rican that is what gets you the puerto rican fan base they're very loyal fan base there was callers in on busted open on tuesday after raw that were expressing those sentiments so there is a chance and you know there's, there's lapsed fans of all nationalities so why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you give this a shot for them? For them. And if the product turns out okay, that Stephen Avel- Stephen Amell match with fucking uh, Neville against uh, Stardust and I don't remember who the other one was. It was a good fucking match. And Stephen Amell did it because he appreciates wrestling. As you see, he's still wrestling today. He appreciates fucking wrestling. And he tries. It was a good match. So if it's good, then it's good. If it turns out that he can't wrestle, then you guys were tripping for no reason. That's all I'm saying. You just got to give it a shot, man. You got to give it a shot. All right, last two things on Raw kind of blend together anyway. 
Uh, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross had a match, and Nikki looks in fantastic shape. She is still one of the best women's wrestlers. I don't like the music, okay? I don't at all. I, I need I need want to play Nikki. She is the best version of of Nikki. But I will watch any Nikki Cross match. I don't care which one it is. I don't care what version she is. But yes, Sanity Nikki was the best version of Nikki. Um, this match was fun. It's exactly what I thought we would get because they're building the Alexa character. Uh, she, she, and I, I mentioned this to to the misses that her changing from um, from playground to goddess is because it's affecting Nikki and Nikki's emotional attachment to Alexa Bliss is goddess bliss so when she changes and doesn't go to the fiend version that's the special version for other people I, I believe I said that to Justin time 211 on Twitter as well that yes these because I think we both agreed that they might be getting carried away with the in-ring changes now for one you can only do this with the Thunderdome you can't do it elsewhere Okay, it has to be done with the Thunderdome this way. But when you when you're when it's Nikki and Alexa and they have a history and that history is pre-fiend, you tap into Nikki's emotions by switching to pre-fiend. If you switch to post-fiend, is she going to be scared? Yes, but she may also be motivated to kick the shit out of you. And Asuka was more afraid with the post-fiend version. She was like she was a little weirded out that it went to goddess, but once it turned all the way to the fiend shit, she was like, oh, fuck, this, you know, it freaked her out. I don't think that would do it to Nikki. Nikki's freak out was, was the goddess version of Bliss. So it's very important to, to understand that it's not, it's not always getting darker that's going to make it worse. Tapping into Nikki's emotional attachment to Alexa I thought was a fantastic move. Um, and I say it, it attaches to, to the next thing because... Randy and Alexa had a little passing of the guard on the ramp, and we had Randy and Edge for what they said was the last time ever. I think that's just letting us know that we're not getting them at Mania for the blow-off. And honestly, again, that's another thing that lets me know it's probably more so a pivot from what their original plans were for the Royal Rumble. Because I think we all agree that finishing this Randy and Edge thing it should be paramount storyline on a big pay-per-view for, you know, all the marbles, shall we say. You know, um, I think we were talking about having John Cena and Randy Orton vying for that, uh, what, 16th championship. Edge might be the one to take it off, you know. So maybe during SummerSlam time we, we end up getting that John Cena-Randy Orton thing. But anyway, let's, let's not fantasy book. We'll be here all day. Um, Alexa and Randy getting into it on the on the ramp led up to the ending. Edge and Randy put on a pretty good match, as they as they've shown to do, and it ends with a little bit of the playground music coming, and then Alexa just sitting on top of the LED post, and then the black shit starts running out of her mouth. I mean, look, Alexa has complete control of who she is in this character and I absolutely love it she is giving us just storytelling with facial expressions her stoicism her ability to just sit there and and react to nothing 
while allowing everything to happen around her. I mean, she is doing absolute phenomenal work. And I'm so surprised, again, that we're only getting little tweaks, little tweaks, little tweaks, little tweaks, week after week after week. And I'm still hooked. So shouts to them for doing a fantastic job. Edge wins the match. Who knows what we're going to get going forward on Raw, especially after what happened on NXT. NXT was fucking phenomenal. NXT was fucking phenomenal. Match after match just hit fucking perfect. And that fucking vignette, and I, fuck, I should have pulled up the names of it, but the Xia vignette that's introducing who the head of that or organization is by doing the Chinese fable storytelling. I mean, my God, it's fucking incredible. I was hooked the entire time. This They, they have not missed with the entire Xia angle, and now we are going to get the the head of that fairy tale. Amazing, amazing. Well, well done. Absolutely well done. I thought Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez versus Caden Carter and Casey Catanzaro was phenomenal. Phenomenal. They gave us like five segments. Psych. It was like three segments. They definitely ran through commercial and then post-commercial, but you, you get what I'm saying. Like It was just such an intense match. Really well done. I was doing a couple things in, be- in between the match, and I, I definitely caught the finish. The finish was was great. Um, actually, you know what? But Before that, uh, I wanted to point out, in the beginning of the match, Casey and Caden were working together on Dakota Kai, and it looked like they missed the drop toe hold. They kept it moving. Dakota Kai covered up. All three of them just kept the spider web of the match going and everything locked in correct until they got to the next move. So that's in, that's what I mean when, you know, let's say I don't like something that Charlotte does or maybe Sasha messed up a little bit here. Like, all of that's allowed to happen. It's how you make it work. And I, it's important that you guys understand, at least for me and my perspective of women's wrestling, that when I see these things, and I, and I, and, and I, well, I guess I don't really bash anyway, but it's, it's kind of like the AEW shit too. Like, it's not just women's wrestling, it's wrestling, period. When you're doing spots for the sake of spots and, and shit see through, they messed up and it wasn't see through. I was like, oh shit, look like they messed up a drop toehold. Oh, move, move, move. Next step, next step. It wasn't obvious. You know, it was like, oh, it looks like they missed it. And then I'm not even thinking about it later. Them being able to cover that up, it's just expert work, man. It's just really, really good shit. Uh, so, you know, I may have I may have dove all over the place on that, but that's that's what I was getting at. Um, but, yeah, the finish of the match, Casey did her flip. And, you know, I, I think she's trying to figure out how to play it safe. I don't really know because she keeps landing on her feet and then landing on the opponent. And, of course, I'd rather her be safe than sorry. So she's got to work on it just a little bit more to make it a little bit more flush. But it looks great. And she was just about to pin Raquel Gonzalez. And, again, Dakota Kai gets there a little bit late, and Raquel has to kick out. So it looks like they were trying to save the finisher. But, in essence, it still didn't make the move look weak because you held Raquel down that long, and she only kicked out when it looked like it was going to be too late for Dakota Kai to break it up. And I thought that was fantastic. Kai gets in the ring, Caden brings her out, Casey's distracted a little bit, turns around, bang, Raquel's got her. And she's doing this fucking like powerbomb chokeslam thing that looks fucking awesome. Casey sold it like a motherfucker, one, two, three, Raquel and Dakota move on. Now, personally, I thought maybe Casey and Caden finding a way to win 
would really propel them into how we're going to turn this women's tag division going forward. I really think they're gearing up well to get towards WrestleMania to have a women's tag match make sense. So we'll see how this goes. Hopefully I'm correct on that. Uh, but, yeah, well done. I mean, you guys know I am huge. I'm Raquel Gonzalez. She might end up being fucking women's wrestler of the year for fucking 2021. It's absolutely possible. Uh, I thought Leon Ruff versus Austin Theory was awesome. Uh, really, really good match. I'm surprised they gave Theory the win. Uh, he's been looking like a, a fucking idiot for the last couple weeks. You know, like, even before the match, he's walking with Johnny, and, like, it looked like he was going to go through the wrong curtain. Like, come on. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on. Uh, I thought, yeah, I thought Leon Ruff would win. Didn't happen. That's fine. Uh, looks like we're getting Dexter Loomis versus Austin Theory, which, okay, I'm here for that. That'll work. Loomis has been fucking around with the way for a long time. And the payoff being with Theory makes sense because we're getting what I want. Johnny Gargano versus Kushida one-on-one at uh, TakeOver Vengeance Day, they're calling it. Vengeance Day? Yeah. Fantastic. Yes, you guys know I want Kushida going for the title, but looks like we got bigger plans for the title, and that's fine too. I do I do want to see Kushida, though, as a champion, fucking just going through the moon. That's my guy. He's doing phenomenal work. I thought uh, the backstage promo with Johnny was some of the best that he's done so far. Um, the arrogance, uh, the missus and I, we were definitely laughing. And then when uh, when she broke the news that he was going to have a match against uh, Kushida, he's like, "Fuck it, I'm going, I'm going to Regal now." And he's <laughs> he fucking he tells her, "You're coming with me." And then he tells the cameraman, "Come on, let's go." Um, it's really good, really good stuff. Uh, the, the the best stuff that I've seen him do so far. Um, now for the second show in a row, Lucha House Party, Legado del Fantasma, really, really good match. Now, I am going to tell you guys this, my personal fucking opinion, and I know there's a bit of a difference. This is exactly what AEW tries to do, but fails. Okay, yes, this is more specific Lucha wrestling, but when you have AEW-style wrestling, High spots for the sake of high spots. And walking to this spot because we have to set up that spot. See through like a motherfucker. This match between Lucha House Party and Legato Del Fantasma was fucking awesome. I mean, when when it's seamless, it makes sense. Okay? Yes, you still have to sell the moves. Yes, you have to register the pain. Yes, you have to go through the motions to make sure that the match looks good, the action makes sense. I don't get that on AEW, and they should take some fucking pointers from this match. We also had some dope moves and all that shit, too, but I'm telling you, if you compare a fucking Young Bucks versus Everrise match, or not Everrise, because um, Everrise is in, what you call it, in NXT, uh, you know what I'm talking about, the same fucking things, right? You know, if you're comparing, or Varsity Blondes versus Young Bucks, because I can remember their name, it, it doesn't... It looks like they try to be like this, and it's not this. And this match was fucking awesome. I mean, Grand Metalik countered a suplex with a sunset powerbomb. You know what I'm saying? And then they did that fucking move where Lince Dorado holds him on the shoulders. Splash. So, like, come on. You know, I I, I don't know. I, I just, it's, it's, it's well done wrestling. 
you know, AEW caused a lot of commotion last night because they're now working with New Japan too. But they've been working with New Japan, okay? Moxley has been going there. They just happen to come here. It's not a surprise, okay? I need I need this kind of wrestling on AEW because this is what they try to pull off, and they can't, all right? So anyway, really good match. I thought Lucha House Party was going to get the win. I mean, there was plenty of moments where it looked like it was their match to win, but uh, Phantasma did what they had to do to win. I mean, they, they have a, a really cool double-team finisher, and uh, I don't know. I, I guess I guess for the sake of them of Lucha House Party finally doing really good work, that they would maybe get to the finals, you know, and and have an opportunity. Uh, but look, Phantasma versus MSK next round is going to be a really good match. So, you know, but it it would have been good with, with Lucha House Party too. But I think with Phantasma winning, we're going to have an easy MSK win next week. Not easy, but easy as in. I don't think Fantasma is going to win at all. Okay, but hey, it'll be a fun match. But speaking of Fantasma, their leader Santos Escobar had a really good match with Kurt Stallion, and I, I found this this kind of odd because they had Scarlet in that on that platform the entire match, and it made it seem like she was the reason Escobar was going to lose this match, and of course he didn't, which is fine, but it, it made me feel like this is setting up for Escobar to lose the title because they want bigger things for Escobar. I could see him being, you know, a, a really good contender. I mean, they're setting up for Ex- Escobar versus Cross, right? So Cross is definitely not a 205 Live guy. Well, we got to get the title off of Escobar then. Him being distracted and then getting his ass beat next week or the week after, whatever it's going to be against Cross, is going to lead to him not being able to defend the title or losing the title because he is too beat up. And Kurt Stallion put on a fantastic performance around Escobar and the entire psychology of this match. Uh, I just it came off as Escobar being super intimidated with Carrying Cross and and fucked up in the head and rightfully so, right? That's protecting the character of Carrying Cross. So uh, shouts to however that's going to fall out. You can see the potential of Kurt Stallion, and maybe that's where this 205 Live title is going to end up going. Um, other than that, we had the uh, Thatcher Champa versus UE. My bracket's done, even though I didn't fill one out. I really thought having UE win the Dusty Cup, all four members win at a different stage, I thought it would be awesome. We're not going to get that. we got Thatcher and Ciampa winning. The match was done really well. I thought this was one of the strongest matches for Roderick Strong that we got to see. I know he had some single success, but it, in, in recent memory, I thought Roddy looked really good in this match. You know, I found it odd that um, it was more about Thatcher and Strong than it was anything to do with Ciampa and Cole, which is great because you are building up those secondary talents because, you know, Cole and Ciampa, both NXT champions, good, you know, good on them. Um, other than that, I mean, there's nothing really else to say except for it was just an awesome match. You know, they, they did great shit. Ciampa's on a really, really nice level right now on how he's performing. So good for him. Uh, Thatcher did look legit. What are we going to do next? You know? Okay. They're, looks like they're the, the favorites to take it all. Uh, I don't, why don't I remember who they're facing next week? I don't remember. I don't remember what tag teams. Oh, GYV. Grizzly Young Veterans. Yeah. Which they had a nice pull apart at the end. Uh, Ciampa couldn't help himself to uh, to get his hands on them. So, uh, yeah. So, we'll see. We'll see. Oh, uh, 
yeah, next week it will be the semifinals, and then the week after that on uh, on Valentine's Day will be the finals. So next week we have uh, Ciampa and Thatcher versus GYV, MSK versus Legato Down Fantasma, and should have one more women's Dusty Cup match, Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon versus, I don't remember, but I'd imagine that they're going to be in the finals against Raquel and Dakota keep that storyline going make a lot of sense um the last thing i need to talk about on on fucking nxt is the most important edge again this fucking guy edge i told heel pops chair shots on uh on on twitter i am not an edge guy if you guys listen to the podcast you know that i'm not the edge guy that a lot of people are edge doesn't make sense to me he never has as a single star, I'm not here for it. Uh, Edge and Christian being back together, I thought would be fucking awesome. And Christian showed up in the Rumble. I was really happy for Christian. I, anytime somebody can do what they love and have the opportunity to do it, great on that. So I'm glad Christian's back to do all that. But, but Edge coming to NXT, I saw a bunch of you AEW cuck assholes say oh they're trying to compete with AEW this edge had nothing to do with anyone else in my full on opinion he was about getting the WWE fan invested in edge and his Royal Rumble win because that's how I took it I'm watching NXT anyway I don't care who shows up okay I don't care who shows up on AEW because I know I'm not going to get as good a wrestling as I get on NXT. So I'm not showing up over there. I don't care who shows up over there. But when Edge is on NXT, he better not take up time from good wrestling matches. And fuck it if he didn't. When he, when fucking, so we have Pete Dunne and Finn Balor in the ring. Fucking Pete Dunne goes, I need that title. Finn Balor's like, fuck it, you got it. Valentine's Day, I'll see you. As soon as he says it, fucking Edge's music hits. And I go, interesting, fucking interesting. Because I think all of us would, would 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 look at it this way. When they announced Edge for NXT, I personally thought he was going to stand in the middle of the ring and say, it's so cool to be here, blah, blah, blah. He did none of that. His music hits. He gets in the way of Finn Balor and Pete Dunne. He tells Pete Dunne, I see a lot of myself in you. He shrugs. It's fucking phenomenal. And then Edge even called him on a shit. He goes, yeah, 10 years ago, I'd have shrugged too. Turned right to Finn Balor. I've never had that. Pointed at the NXT title. And when he said that... I'm sitting in a recliner. I closed the feet. I stood up. And then he said, possibly, I'll ask for it. And I'm like, motherfucker. Like, Edge hooked me. Fucking hooked me. That's the match I want. I want Edge going for the NXT title. Absolutely want him going for the NXT title. And I, I thought about this two days ago when I rewatched the Royal Rumble. I said, you know what? Edge and Finn Balor makes more sense than any other match. In my head, I don't know why. It's just the way I see it. I don't think Drew needs it. I don't think Roman needs it. Honestly, I don't even think Finn Balor needs it. That's my biggest problem with with Edge winning anyway. But if we're looking match for match, that's what I'm thinking, okay? I want Edge versus AJ Styles. That's the only match I really want. But this is what we have. I want Edge versus Finn Balor. I want Edge versus Pete Dunne. And then Karrion Cross throws a wrinkle into it. Edge is leaving for the night, and he he sees him in a parking lot. He's like, yo, dude, it ain't going to be one of them. Cross tells Edge right to his face, it's not going to be Pete Dunne. It's not going to be Finn Balor. 
I'm going to take back the title that I never lost. So even if Edge doesn't come around, they're still planting the seed that Karrion Cross is going to be one to go back for that title. It's fucking awesome. Absolutely phenomenal match. I mean, it, pick them. Pick them, right? Edge versus Cross. Who's going to win? As good as Karrion Cross has looked, especially in character form, I, I still agree with my own assessment that he needs better work in the ring. He needs to get that rust off. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know, it'll come with time. He's a phenomenal wrestler. Finn Balor is. Pete Dunne is. Edge has been doing some great work, especially as a singles. I'm bought in. I'm ready to go. I don't think it's a good idea for Edge to show up on SmackDown. I'll tell you that much. But SmackDown's for another night. Let me get into a little bit of this AEW shit, and then I'll let you guys go about your day. I'm seeing all this shit online last night. AEW has changed the landscape of wrestling that Tony Schiavone had said on the air or some shit that that door, the proverbial door, has been busted wide open. I'm going to set my opinion and hopefully the entire fucking record straight. And I know AEW shills ain't going to fucking agree with me, and that's fine. Go fuck yourself. AEW is doing what the indies has always done. You have floating contracts where you can go to Impact for some fucking show during WrestleMania weekend, or you can wrestle in PWG, or you can wrestle in NJPW, or you can go to ROH, or you can go to fucking Pro Wrestling Syndicate. It doesn't fucking matter. You can go anywhere you want. They're just doing it on TV. And those those fans, you guys who enjoy all that shit, go for it. Absolutely go for it. But Kenta showing up on AEW last night does nothing does nothing they were already announcing the match for njpw right so because this is happening on american television that's the door being busted open okay what next you have all this talent working together right four hours of american television tv plus however long they feel like doing dark on youtube right but this is such a big thing that you can't you can't put it on dark, right? So you keep intertwining impact in AEW and New Japan and who knows, AAA, right? Keep intertwining all this together, okay? You're still going to complain that Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss aren't on TV. You're still going to complain that there's no room for the women's division. If you keep merging all this talent, you have zero time on TV for all of this talent, you can put it all together, but it's not going to be seen by anyone. Just because companies are working together doesn't mean shit. It has to be executed and done well while also building up your talent. You're building up Jade Cargill. Awesome. Where's the rest of your women's division? Okay. Sheeta showed up last night for what, the first time in a couple weeks? It's been carried by fucking NWA, you're working with NWA too, work with all the promotions, that's what Cody did when he left WWE, he wrestled for every fucking promotion, they all do it, that's what fucking Moxley did when he left WWE, he went and worked for every promotion he could, that's what you, that's what they do, AEW is indies on TV, that's all it is, it's indies on TV, it is not changing the landscape, it's doing what every indie wrestler does on TV. Now, I've said this shit weeks ago, months ago, whatever it is. 
months ago for sure. AEW has a billion dollars. WWE is worth a billion dollars. WWE just signed their third billion dollar contract. If AEW tries to sell their streaming rights, they have two shows that they can put together that they could get probably a billion dollars for the streaming. They might be able to get a $2 billion deal for five years if they acquire Impact and they have a show structure similar to what WWE has. It's possible. It's possible because the eyes do exist. But I'm not going to go over full viewership and all that shit. There is a chance that that can happen just based on what, what I'm seeing from Twitter communications, from, from the scope of TV stuff. But WWE is worth so much more than AEW because they have the back catalog, because they have the name, because they have brand recognition, but they also have a product that's easily digestible. And AEW does not have a product that's easily digestible because it's too scatterbrained. Shit's all over the place. And you're making it worse. You're making it more convoluted. Now, yes, on the back end, six months from now, this has an opportunity to change the landscape of wrestling if, if you have a real merger. Without a real merger, this is indie shit on TV. This is just indie shit on TV. If they actually merge, if they actually have the relationship, then yes, I agree. This has the opportunity to change the landscape of wrestling. But hear me on this. All, all of your number one wrestlers in the world outside of WWE are not champions. Moxley is the exception. Jericho, not even close. Jericho's most memorable runs, IC Championship and singles matches. Yes, he's the first undisputed champion. It has come out that Rock said he didn't need it. Stone Cold said he didn't need it. Fuck it, give it to Jericho or Angle. That's what came out. Jericho's not a heavyweight champion. Moxley had a decent heavyweight championship run. But for the most part, you have Cody, Moxley, Jericho, mid-card title holders. FTR is your best talent when it comes to full, pure-on wrestling, legitimate tag teams. Every single one else is not a main event player. Not one wrestler around is a main event player. That's why the old guys are there to talk on a mic. You don't have main event players. And without main event players, you have a shit ton of mid-card. Everything looks the same. Nobody stands out. So until they stand the fuck out, until they show us main event shit, hey, I'll be on the NXT. That's my AEW thoughts. I will be tuning in to hopefully see better wrestling matches. I will be tuning in to hopefully see a product I can stomach. But until they get less scatterbrain, until they get better product on TV, they're always going to be a not even close second fiddle. Not even close. They're there, and it's great that they're there. They're doing cool shit, and it's great that they're doing cool shit. You don't fucking execute, I ain't in. But this shit ain't about me. These are just my terrible wrestling takes. So, with that being said, 
review if you do, rate if you feel. Follow me at TWTakesPodcast on Instagram and Twitter. Share your terrible wrestling takes via my pinned tweet. Email me, BishopTWTakes at gmail.com. Until next time.